You are listening to a Heartland podcast. This episode you're about to listen to is a conversation between artist Tracy Emmen and author Peter Hu. The conversation took place on the talk scene last year at Heartland Festival in front of a live audience. In this conversation, the two participants discuss art and what art does or has the potential to do, and in particular, what it means to be an artist and why you become one. We get an insight into how it feels to be immersed in a piece of artwork and then how it feels to give it away or present it to an audience. Tracy Emmen is one of the greatest British artists and is one of the front figures of the new British art generation. For decades, she has tried to provoke the audience with her feministic and often very personal artwork. Danish author Peter Hu has won international acclaim for his works Borderline and Miss Miller's Feeling for Snow. He is known for his critical stance on modern Western culture and often insists on focusing on the importance of art and how it reflects society and tells us important things about ourselves. The conversation is moderated by director and founder of Art 2030, Louise Fawerskog. We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Heartland Podcast. I have the great pleasure of being in the best company I could think of, and I look very much forward to uh, moderate the talk between Tracy Emmen. And Peter Hung. Tracy, you are very much known for your uh, autobiographical and confessional art. You uh, are working in a number of uh, medias, uh, primarily painting, but also drawing, sculptures, film, and installation. And uh, one of the installations that uh, is very well known is the Every One I Have Ever Slept With from 1997, from the Sensation Exhibition at, um, in London. Um, and <clears throat> I think with this installation, you very much, it shows Uh, one of the subjects subject that has gone through your entire career about creativity and the autobiographical. And Peter, um, as a writer of fiction, uh, we all know your books, uh, such as Tales at Night, Miss Miller's Feeling of Snow, Borderlines, and lately, The Susan Effect. And by this, you are one of Denmark's greatest authors authors of our time. After 30 years in the art world, I strongly believe that art is the expression of what it means to be human. It illustrates the human experience. Art helps us to understand ourselves, each other, and the world we live in. I was now supposed to ask for video clip number one, 
which will not appear. Um, but it was an amazing video clip that Tracy had sent me, basically of a birth. So let's start with the start of the human journey. Tracy, why did, why, share with us why you chose to send me this clip. Well, uh, Louise, I'm sorry, it's a bit loud, too loud. <laughs> Louise asked us to send four video clips which explained, um, well, for, in my case, why, this is really echoing, sorry, explained why um, I was an artist and why I became an artist. And by sending the birth clip, it was because this birth is actually quite painful to watch, it's quite awful, the head, gets stuck inside the vagina, and the doctor has to put his hand in around the vulva mm. and really open it up and pull the baby's head out. I have never given birth. I will never give birth, and I've never really wanted to give birth. I've always wanted to be an artist. I've always wanted to use every single part of me to be creative, not just my sexual organs or my vagina. I wanted the rest of me, and I think, from the age of about, subconsciously, from the age of about three, I was aware of that. I've always wanted to be an artist. I've never wanted to do anything else, and I've never done anything else. I've had a couple of jobs working in, like, as a waitress or something like that, but I wasn't very good at it. It never really lasted for long. I spent most of my life, when I wasn't being an artist, I was an artist who never got paid for being an artist. So I never wanted to be a mother. I never will be a mother. My legacy is everything that I make and everything that I put into the world. So that was to answer Louise's question. Would you... <laughs> Would you uh, share with us our, your reflection on what Tracy says? Well... Uh... First of all, of all I, I want to say that I'm moved that you are here. I'm happy that we're having this conversation. And, uh, and I want to ask you, can you hear us? Because, because yeah. the sound on stage is quite yeah. strange. Yeah. They're coming music and okay, but it's, you can hear us. Yeah. So it's, it's a pleasure and it's a privilege to be here. I, um, I first saw you 30 years ago. Uh, when you were with Dame Etna in Hollywood at the show, you were with Dame, Dame Etna in Hollywood. Oh, Dame Etna. Dame yeah. Etna, yeah. And I was, it was uh, such an amazing Dame, Dame Etna, he arranged, he, she arranged. He was having a famous Hollywood actor and then a young and quite um, uptight woman and then uh, Tracy. <laughs> and then Tracy was... Uh, uh, turning up the balloon, and the two Hollywood actors were looking more and more like this, <laughs> and they met there was having such a great time, and, and I felt it would be such a pleasure to meet that woman, but I never imagined that it would happen. <laughs> so when they suggested this meeting, I, the clip that I sent them that we're not going to see is the clip with Dame Etna. Oh, well, I'm glad we and, will and see. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, so the, it was a clip of a very young and very provocative Tracy. Um, yeah. And, and then I would, uh, 
I choose that clip because I would have asked you a question. So can I ask Absolutely. a question now? Um, it has to do with provocation. I mean, the artist is often working on the uh, limit of society or standing outside and looking in. And you have expressed, I have seen interviews with you where you expressed, where you said, I never wanted to be just like a painter having my things hanging in rich people's houses. I want to do something else more important. But, but now you have been, become a, a member of, the, of uh, the Royal Academy and you, you, are, you have become a celebrity. So, and, and we say in Denmark, there's only one step from the jungle to the zoo. Is, so how about the risk of, in the life of Tracy Emin? Of, of, uh, how do you handle the, 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 the importance of standing at a distance of mainstream and at the same time becoming a part of establishment. You, I, I am think, I clear? No, you're very clear. I, I think it's very dangerous for me. And when I was younger, I wasn't taken seriously as an artist um, by the establishment because I was always jumping into these other worlds. I was in fashion magazines. I was on television. I did all these other things which were not art, and they are not art. And it really had and did interfere with my career as an artist and my career in the way that I think. And now, I tend to spend a lot of time alone. I wake up very early in the morning, around 5 a.m., and I spend the first four or five hours of the day alone and thinking. And this is really important to me because it means that I am separate from the world. And I think for anyone, especially for a writer, you have to have that separate, private space, that other world that's away from other people. Otherwise, you can't create, you can't invent, and you can't, you can't move your ideas. You would be, I would become stagnated. I have to be alone, and I realized that. And for a while, it made me very sad that I was alone. I've been alone for nearly 10 years now, but I realized to be the kind of artist that I want to be over the next 30 years, my final ambition, I, ha I have to spend time alone. Mm. I have to be alone. And I think I now, looking back on my life, I actually, as much fun as it was on the Dame Edna show and Barry Humphreys, <laughs> who's become a friend, and all of those things in my life that made my life colorful and exciting and, and wild, I regret them now. I regret them. But luckily, I've got another 30 years, hopefully, to go. I've done that. Then I had the middle bit, and now I've got the last bit. And the last bit, I tend to work towards what I want, towards my focus, and not have distraction. That's what I want to do. Well, I'm sure, Peter, you can relate to this because, well, You've said, you have sent me a video clip, actually, of David Bowie, where he sings the, the song, You're Not Alone, You're Not Alone. But to me, particularly being a visual artist, a painter, or, and uh, a writer, is a very, very lonely process. I mean, it requires a lot of solitude, and you're always sort of on your own, uh, yeah, also but, in the but, feedback. But it's strange, because for Peter, Writing that book, whatever it is, you have to be so myopic and so ensconced in, in the book. And then, as soon as it's printed, as soon as it's published, it goes into the mind of other people. You just cast it away. 
And being an, being an artist, I, this sounds awful, don't take this the wrong way, I always think that um, my work looks terrible with people. My work looks much better with no people, just solitary, alone. But then I know it's a, what I call the Turin Shroud effect. My work can't exist without the viewer, without people seeing it. Mm. So you need this thing. And the same with you, with books. You, you, you have this... I can imagine what it must be like. If I'm wrong, tell me. I want to know how it is for you. Um. I will return to that. First of all, it reminds me of something that, that uh, I, I was uh, preparing to say in the beginning. So I'll just take that first. Um, we, we arranged that I should guide a very short meditation. You, Louisa asked me to do that, just two minutes. And then we forgot because many things uh, is... is making something strange with this talk. But, but the idea behind that was in, in Denmark at least, or maybe in the whole Western world, we teach children to understand art and uh, analyze art, but we don't teach them to experience art. Uh, and and in, in, in many ways, I think that is what is most important. So, so, and I think you can teach people to experience art, and it has to do of letting go of prejudices. The more open and the fewer prejudices you have, the more, the deeper impact you give the, uh, the art the chance to have. So I think training, you can training letting go of prejudices. Can we do that one minute? Is that okay? Would you? S <laughs> so it's a very, very small exercise. So we start closing the eyes and just feeling our own body. Because we always get drawn out from ourselves. We lose ourselves in the content of the mind and forget ourselves. So just feel the body, the weight of the body. and feel how strange it is in the middle of many, many distractions, the music, my voice, the sensation of many people, then it's still possible to feel the body and to realize that it is breathing. And that all this, the sensation of the body, and the distraction and my voice take place in, what, in the mental space, the thought space. And that space can be relaxed. Just as you relax your body, we can relax the thoughts. And then just feel the heart not the physical heart, but the empathic feelings that are reflected in the heart. And this could be the beginning of an openness, of a letting go of prejudices. And in that openness, this meaning 
meeting between you and us maybe has a little more space. Thank you. Just open your eyes. There's not more to it than that. So what what you asked me to I've is forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> <I've forgotten. laughs> <laughs> I asked for you when you when you write when you you're completely myopic and totally involved in the book, the writing of the book. When you release it, when it's first published with that first copy, when it goes out into the world, how do you feel? I, I think, in a way, I feel I lose the book uh, when I. Uh, when I write, it takes a couple of years to write a book, and then I, I never show it to anybody, and I never tell anybody about it, not one person. So I, I live alone with the book. And then it's finished, and I have um, two readers, uh, my, my love partner and uh, my publisher. And, and then we have a few weightless months where only we three people share that book. At, and then it, 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 the other half of the life of the book starts, it, it meets the audience. It, it has to be that way. But then people start to tell me things, and I lose the innocence or the intimacy yeah. I have with the book. And, and it has to be that way, and, and art is meant for that. But it's also a loss, this uh, privacy. Uh, can, can you recognize yeah, that? Yeah, totally, feeling? yeah. Absolutely, I, I I know what that feels like, because when you're working in, when we work in the studio and I'm I'm painting, it might be four o'clock in the morning, and I'm I'm kind of in a kind of zone, and I'm kind of a bit crazy, and I'm I'm painting wildly, and I'm throwing paint, and I'm like millions of things are going through my mind. It's like it's almost like conjuring up gods or something. It's like a, and this is something I didn't realise when I was young. When you have a talent, you, like me, I know that it isn't all down to me. I know it has to rely on other things, like whether it's spiritual, whether it's the emotional moment, whether it's the moon, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it isn't just down to me. It's a conjuring up of all this kind of internal energy. It's kind of like a volcano or something. And when it comes out, it could be quite dangerous. But if I contain it into the painting and, and move it how I, want, how I want it to be, I can do something which shocks and surprises me, that makes me feel like, um, like, like amazing. Like I always say, it's like, the, it's like better than the best sex I've ever had. That feeling of when I've made a painting, I know that it's right. Or I'm in the studio and everything is in tune and everything is working. It's just like the most wonderful, wonderful feeling. And then when it goes out of the studio, say into the gallery, on the gallery wall, and then all the people who love my work come and see it, part of me dies with that, definitely. Because it isn't mine anymore. I've given it. I've handed it over. And the, and the moment of like the essence of... The moment of creativity, 
where it's like cracking a code or something. When I've done that, the feeling is, I, I can't even explain how, I mean, everyone, people here must be artists, writers, musicians. In terms of creativity, when you know you've done it, when you've cracked the code, there's nothing better. It just feels wonderful. And it must be like that with, with the writing of a... <laughs> Can I introduce understanding, I, get, I think, I feel what, what you say, and recognizing it, there's also another point of view, and it is, I, I think as uh, human beings and artists, what we long for is a very deep meeting with the audience. I, I, when I write and, and when you uh, draw or do these blankets or do installations, I, I, I get the feeling that we, from as deep a place in ourselves as possible, go out and once also a meeting. We, we, we say something that is very important for us and hope that someone will listening, either with the ears or with the eyes, and then so a meeting can take place. You recognize that as well? It's different. For me, the meeting is with myself. So when I'm doing a painting and, and, or a drawing, sometimes I paint and draw something that I didn't expect to paint and draw. And it's like, um, I always say the analogy for it, it's like going to, nobody wants to go to a fortune teller and the fortune teller tells you something you already know. No. You want to go to the fortune teller and you want them to tell you something you don't know. And that's why I work. That's why I'm an artist. I want to find out something that I don't know. Hmm. I don't want to be told something. I want to find out what it is. But still you make public your art. You exhibit it and I, and I let the books get published. Isn't that true? Yeah. If, 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 if it was only a meeting with ourselves, we could as well keep it to ourselves or, or keep most of it and just publish what we need for a living. But, but we let it stream out to somebody else. Isn't that true as well? I, I think, so this is a sad thing that I'm going to say. I think I need the validation of the people to, to come to, to make me continue. Not so much now, but I think when I was younger I did. I needed that reassurance, I needed the audience, I needed the push and the energy of people behind me. And I don't mean that literally, I mean like a kind of spiritual thing more than anything. I needed to know that people were there. And a strange thing happens to me now. When I have an exhibition, I have an opening. The last opening I had in London, I think something like 7,000 people came to the opening. And they queue all the way down the road. And there's lots, lots and lots of young people. And it's like a kind of festival thing. It's really strange. And I get, I hate it, and I don't like it, and I get really upset. And it's strange for me because the adulation that I get from that, afterwards I go home and I'm alone. And the, the contrast of that, that adulation and then the loneliness is so extreme that it frightens me. And I think, what have I done? What am I doing? Why can't my life just be like balanced? But it can't because of the level of the kind of art and the kind of person that I am and the kind of artist that I am. My life is a constant contradiction. And as a writer on your level, your life is a contradiction because you have to be in this myopic world inventing this whole world within these pages, within these books. And then it goes out into this big audience and everybody is 
thinking your thoughts. Everybody's reading your ideas. Everybody's inside your mind. And that must be a really strange thing. At least with images, it can be two seconds, 10 seconds. It can float in people's minds. But with words, the words, they are constantly imprinted, which is, I think it's um, probably more scary. In your, it, I'd be more afraid to be a writer with, the way, with my feelings the way that I am. I think it was... Uh, I, I, uh, I, I love visual art. Uh, and uh, and uh, I mean... And, and I love books, and they are they are different and the same. I can see that that book. It takes a long. I mean, if uh, looking at a picture or an installation, you can do that um, in in a moment or in an hour. Or but a book it takes a week mm. to read. And and one of the qualities of a novel is that you can live inside it. Uh, uh, one of my friends once told me, she said, "I moved into the book and stayed there one week." That, that, that's a nice expression, I say. And that's a quality with novels, that they, they, it's, books are a slow art form. But, but I, uh, if it's scaring, uh, I, I don't know. I think, um, I, I, uh, I don't think books exist, and I don't think visual art exists. There exist only readings or experiences of, of the public. When, when I, uh, when people read one of my books and tell about the, the experience, very often I ask myself, is that a book I wrote? Okay. Because the experience is so different. So I think there are as many uh, enjoying art as creative work where, the, where the, the spectator or the reader creates the work again. And I have a deep respect for that and I find it's fascinating. So, so uh, yeah, recently, recently I had a, a big argument with a friend about Madame Bovary about the book, Madame Bovary. And I said that Emma, the cat, was such a stupid woman. She, I wanted to kill her. She's so stupid. <laughs> and my friend thought that Emma was like a, a really good, sort of strong feminist and a good woman. I was going, she is not. And then I said to my friend, when did you read this book? She read it when she was 17. And I read the book when I was 40. Yeah. So it's also to do with your own, when you're reading, to do with your own experiences and, and what you... What you put and what you put into it. And my favourite kind of book to read is a book that, when, when every line becomes visual, you imagine it, you see it happening, you see it unfold. And, and that is a really. And there's some books which are just words, and there's other books which are really visual, which I think is, is different, different kinds of ways of everything. So, hmm. but still, that moment must be very fragile when you've been in the studio for a long time, or. Uh, uh, at, at writing a book for over years, the exposure, bringing it out there, must be such a fragile uh, moment. Uh, yes, but it's but it's uh, it's the law. Uh, art wants to meet people. Uh, in, in my in my system, I feel uh, obviously a little different. I feel I I am. I want a meeting. I, I have said, I think, books is a very slow asked question, and the reaction from the readers are very slow answer. Mm -hmm. And that, so it's a di kind of dialogue 
that that is important for me. Of course, it's also uh, stressing and and. Uh, and how are the reviews and how are the reaction? Mm -hmm. And you want to get, I, I want to be not loved, but liked. I, I enjoy positive reactions with people. So, so uh, publishing a book is also the chance to confront your, van your own vanity or mm -hmm. weakness and, and your, yeah. your uh, dependentness of what other people think about you. It's what you say to that, Tracy? I think that a lot of people and a lot of creative people aren't always honest. And I think sometimes people might write a book to write another bestseller, for example, or an artist might paint another picture like the one they just painted because they just sold it. And I think there's a really big difference between the picture makers and the true artists. There's a big difference between the artist writer and the fodder writer, the person who just churns out books, for example. And I think what I'm talking about, whether it's writing, whether it's art, whether it's music, like Louise said, is this place of the thing. And like you understand that it's not a picture, it's not a book. It's like an entity. It's like has a soul or something. Mm -hmm. And, and that, if you know you're touching that or you're near that, it's very, very different from, like for me, it's really, when I was young, when I had, um, I had a, an abortion, and after the abortion, I didn't paint or draw or anything for two years. In fact, I went and did a part-time philosophy course of all things. And, but I knew after the abortion, that I could never, I did never wanted to make an object or a thing or a nice thing, a thing that looks nice, like the table. I knew after the abortion that what I made had to be really strong, really emotional, and most of all, really honest. Because as far as I was concerned, after the abortion, by, by understanding the act in which I took place, it was like a kind of the biggest Faustian pact any human being could make. And I was aware of what I'd done. So after that, I then had to make a pledge to myself that whatever I made had to have true conviction and be really from my heart. So you, earlier, you introduced me as this confessional artist or whatever, but I'm not confessional. I'm dealing with the heart. I'm dealing with what matters to me. And if I'm honest about that, it will matter to other people mm. too. And, and so I start with the center and then I go out. Mm, beautiful. Mm. I will now dare to ask for the one clip that hopefully went it to Harland, made it to Harland. <laughs> Uh, okay, that was only a fraction of it. <laughs> but I hope you got it very fast. Um, these goats that are really uh, defying gravity, basically. Yeah, I, I, they are doing the impossible, and they are at the edge of a deep, deep void. Uh, I, sh I should explain. It's, I think the English word is dam, dimning. Yeah. Dam, something that's uh, uh, stemming up water in dimming. And I think it's 400 meters high. 
and because of the water, some minerals are uh, crystallizing on the, on the surface, and the goats need that mineral. So they climb up, and some, some of them fall and dies, but most of them survives. And I was so fascinating by that picture as, as a picture of risk. So I, I, I took it because I wanted to ask Tracy about the risk, and we are deep into that already, the risk mm. that the artist uh, and, and maybe all human beings has to take, that we all have to take, if we want uh, our life to be meaningful and, and to get deeper. I Say something about risk. Tracy. Risk, well, I... Okay, so when I'm really working and really, 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 really working, or when I start working in the studio on a new body of work, I really think, like those goats, I feel that I'm going to fall. I always think about Lord Byron when he said, I'm standing on the edge of a precipice, and it's a wonderful view. That moment where you're just about to throw yourself into something new, it feels like, it feels like, it feels like I could die. It feels like, it, feels, it frightens me so much. And unless people have actually been in that situation with that kind of conviction, they won't believe me, because it, it just sounds silly. How can you feel like that about painting a picture? How can anyone feel like that? It's because you know about this, I told you about this kind of entity, this thing, this, this other power, this other thing. And also, if you're really, really focused and you have true conviction, there is a possibility you could be changing history at that moment. And that's, I really mean that as well. I don't mean it in a conceited way. I don't mean it in an egotistical way. I mean literally at that mm. moment. Mm. Because you're creating and making something that has never, ever happened or never, ever been done before. And that is the job of the artist. That's one of the mm. jobs of the artist is to, you know, somehow art, art leads science, art leads many things. Music leads a magnitude of vast things. And without those, without that, you know, without our books, without our culture, without our art, we are not human. Mm. We don't, and we are not beyond human. We don't have souls. It's those things which make us who we are that keep us... Um, actually stop us from being like the goats. You know, we, we're not animals. And, and there is a difference. I mean, I'm sure animals have souls. I'm not sure if they have how, what their conscience is like, but I do know that we have the ability to be heightened. When I think about when I, when I grew up, I was, I was pretty rough, 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 rough. And I'm still quite rough. I went to a very rough school. I've got a very rough accent. And I have to work on myself constantly to heighten myself, to make myself into, the, into this, um, you know, I don't mean in a pretentious way, I just mean I love beautiful things. And when I was younger, you know, I had to fight for that. I had to force it in my world and make it for myself and an understanding of art and creativity. And I wasn't brought up with art and culture around me either. There wasn't anything. So everything, I was always looking for beauty, always looking for art, which goes back to my clip, which was David Bowie singing uh, Rock and Roll Suicide. Um, I think if you, when you're young and you're isolated, you can have people like David Bowie come into your life, music, and you look at someone like that and you go, he's really different. 
I'm really different. I'm okay. I'm all right. So it's about the identification of the world out there as well. And I don't mean it like in a pop star silly way. I mean, you know, you, it could be like reading James Joyce mm. or, or Dostoevsky or whatever it is. Is you need you need to be able when you're young as well. You need to be able to identify with like-minded, creative people. Mm -hmm. Role models actually is the word. Mm. Yeah, but also <clears throat> what you mentioned about uh, being a, a part of a bigger. Um, I th your last book is very much about the time we are in as a society right now, and and reading it, one wonders sort of like when the planetary catastrophe will strike. Um, so from from starting from something very personal, you also look at um, well the work world at a bigger in a bigger view than sort of. Basically, I just uh, want to tell a story, mm -hmm. or uh, I, uh, or I want to be, uh, I want to feel the creative flow going through me, and so, so the, the what what what's the books are about are basically excuses for uh, mm -hmm. or make up for or, or trying to find some frame inside which I can get this feeling of being flushed by something that is bigger than me. That, are, that is what I'm... Uh, and then, mm -hmm. and then uh, I can see... Bec uh, then um, I think I have said that, that I'm, uh, I'm a, a place where books happen. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it's not... It's, there's much let, less planning and uh, much less intellectual structure and much, much more instinct mm -hmm. that we used to imagine with books. We think that books are something mental or intellectual, but, but not for me. It, it's, it's physical. Uh, so, do you think, if you hadn't a bit... Well, okay, simple question. What would you have been... It's a trick question, actually. What would you have been if you hadn't have been a writer? Well, I, twice in my life, I had the experience of standing on a on a, uh, where the road could divide and, and I could do something else. And uh, once was when I saw that... The, I, I used to work as a dancer when I was younger, and I saw the group Pelopolis when it was quite new, an American, at that time, avant-garde dance group. And I saw them in Tivoli in Copenhagen. And I knew if I left everything and just took, bought a ticket to, to America, in two years I would be with them. I had this, uh, this feeling of, of, of being certain I could do that. And the second time was when I saw Dario Fo, the great uh, Italian comedian, performing live and telling stories. And I felt uh, I could... I, I walked home alone, making up stories through the Copenhagen streets of night, and I felt I could, I could become a storyteller of, of verbal stories, not, mm -hmm. not written. That, so that's to ask, maybe... But, but still, there's no choice. But it looked as if there was yeah. choice these two times. But he, he really looks like a dancer. Mm -hmm. if, I was to, if someone was to ask me what you did, I would say that you're a dancer. You look like a dancer. It's so strange. Uh, but, uh, but I was never a good dancer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just an illusion. Yeah. Uh. 
So what would you have been if you hadn't been a painter? Well, my mom says, said, my mom's died recently. My mom said, this is from my mother. My mom said, if Tracy hadn't have been an artist, Tracy would have died. Wow. And that's from my mother. Art has kept me alive. Art is like my lover, my brother, my father, my mother, everything, my best friend, everything. The lowest ebbs that I felt in my life, art just comes, poof, picks me up, holds me up, and reminds me of who I am. And it's like, it's, it's amazing. It's like, and this is why I talk about art, like this whole entity, like a physical thing. I recently, I, couldn't, I didn't make any work for two months because I was doing all these big shows in Australia and all these different projects. And Harry, who works for me, he's somewhere in the audience, he'll vouch for me on this. I just become iller and iller and iller and iller until, the, until I was in hospital. As soon as I got home, went straight into the studio, and I worked till five o'clock in the morning. I worked all week painting, and I felt better and better and better. And it's what you say, Peter, about the flow, the flushing, this thing, it has to come out of you. And if it doesn't, it, for me, it would, it would in turn, I'd spontaneously combust, probably. That's what would happen. Can I ask you something about that flow? Because I think it has a built-in risk, the creative flow has a, a, a paradoxical nature. And uh, on, on one side, it comes only when you can step aside from yourself. If you are completely imprisoned in your own personality, in your vanity, and your fear of the audience, and the, then the flow won't come. So you have to somehow Uh, let go of all concern to allow that flow to come. But on the other hand, you, you, the, 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 the world of art is organized in such a way that there's a loop, so the energy, this creative energy, it flows also back to you in the form of money or recognition or interest. Because like now, you are allowing us to be in the center of your attention. And that is an enormous amount of energy that you give us to us three up here. And there's an enormous risk in that because if we suck that energy and feel just somehow behind the curtain, we feel, I'm, I'm great, then that will prevent mm. or make it more difficult when, we t when I return to my disc and you return to yeah. the studio. That then you understand the problem. So how do we, how do you, tackle or address this uh, double uh, character of the creative flow? But this is what I'm saying. When I was younger, I didn't understand it. And I took it for granted, my creativity or my talent or whatever it was. And I just thought it was mine and I could have it and use it and use it and do it and not do it. Now, it's like I have to really look after it. So I can't have an ego trip about being in a room with hundreds and hundreds of people listening to what you know, I'm saying. It doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. I have to have this inner conviction about what I'm doing, and I have to have a focus with it. Because if I don't, I will be lost. Mm. I will get lost. And I don't want to be lost. And now as I get older, I realize that I have to fight more and more for it. 
And I don't know whether it's because as you get older, you, you're more in demand or you're more aware of the world and there's more things you want to do and more things you want to see and more people you have to say goodbye to, for mm. example. Time is shorter as you get older. I don't understand it. It's like it's compressed. Mm. We really don't have enough time to do what we want to do ever, even the simplest things. So I have to actually fight to find the to do what I really want, and that is the art, that is the painting. So, like today, okay, so I just spent five hours in a car trying to get here, and it, there has been a terrible accident, a very, very, very bad accident on the road. And in the car, instead of getting upset or angry or worried or anxious, I thought, oh, this is really good. There's nothing I can do about this situation. I'm going to use the time to think and I'm really going to enjoy this moment because it's been given to me. I'm not being all kind of, you know, but it was the best thing for me to do in that situation is to be given this time, time I didn't know that I had. So I made the most of it. I'd have been, the driver said to me, what would have happened if, we, if I hadn't have got here? And I said, I didn't think about it. You know, I got here, so that's what was important. So, you know, and I think what you're saying, if I'd have panicked and been screaming and shouting down the phone, and I did ask for a helicopter at one point, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. And I couldn't make it. But, um, and how do you can sort of contain this energy? Well, I, I, I haven't found any solution, uh, but, but, but uh, I'm asking myself that question. Uh, I um, I think that um, uh, there's a word in Danish that I wouldn't, as you hear my English as uh, what we in Danish call schoolgirl English. I, I don't get much time to practice it. There's a Danish word called vidagjulse, and that in English it would be like something passing on the energy. I think if artists uh, keep all that is returning to them. Keep all the money and keep uh, and try to to stay to stay with the success mm. and and making it repeating itself and uh, and uh, then 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 the 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 energy makes stasis. It it uh, it will block you and it will slowly close your uh, creative openness. So somehow I tried to find ways to. Um, relax more on myself, and and uh, and and I don't think I, I don't think I succeed, but I try to find ways of of not uh, taking up all space in in my family and uh, with my children and friends, and yeah. Hmm? So I, I look for ways to pass on something that has been a little, a tiny part of what has been given to me. Hmm? So, time is almost up, so I just wanted to hear if you had any final questions for each other that you that is very pressing. An hour goes short. I mean, yeah. that's a pleasant thing with art. It makes time robberish, like robber. So, uh, yeah. I, I feel filled with just... Otherwise, I, just sat here and otherwise I want to thank you both for sharing these in personal insights of how it is to be a writer uh, and, and, a, and an artist and, um, yeah, help us be a little uh, more, uh, to get to know ourselves and each other a little better. 
Thank you very, very much. And thank, thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you. You have listened to a Heartland podcast. If you like what you just heard, please write us a review on iTunes, or even better, tell your friends that you heard this. We would really appreciate it. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.